Welcome to JD Power's Technology Support Podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with JD Power, and with me today are Mark Miller, Greg Dickerson, and Mike Noeth, who are all experts in the space. So, Mark, Greg, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mike. No, thank Thanks, you. Mike. Glad to be here. So, we're, so here we are, early in 2022, and we thought a, a good topic to kind of kick off the series for this year would be just a, a general discussion of some of the trends that we're seeing in the industry today. And uh, Mike, uh, Noah, Greg Dickerson, uh, you guys are really close to what's happening out there. And uh, I think that one of the one of the early trends we're seeing, or one of the trends we're seeing now, uh, is this uh, idea that a lot of companies are getting into uh, into self service. So. Um, Mike, why don't you kick it off for us? Uh, what, what are we seeing there in terms of self-service? Yeah, and I'll, I'll do that and I'll jump over to Greg here shortly. So Michael, thank you for the opportunity. Um, one thing that we're seeing is, is as you mentioned, uh, companies are, many of them are in self-service, have been in it for a while. Um, and you can really get addicted to the benefits of self-service if you only focus on the cost savings. You talk about the more that we can put information out there and enable customers to solve their own issues, uh, the more frequently they actually don't need to contact us. That's a terrific thing. It saves us money. We can do a cost per case and do the math and figure out how much we're going to save. But the unfortunate part of it is that we sometimes forget, or we see clients of ours forget, that the customer is the one who gets to decide what their channel of choice is. And do they want to call you? Do they want to uh, email you? Do they want to contact you via the website? And so it's important to have a balance here and not get addicted to the cost savings associated with self-service, which is very important. And by saving that cost and by freeing up that capacity, you enable your own workforce to do other things. So it's all good, but it, it has to also be balanced by what the, what the customer wants so that they can contact you, the support organization, the way that they want to. Greg? Very good points, Mike. Thank you. Um, one of the other things that we see is that um, companies tend to uh, dump their content into the self-service format without thinking about, they understand what, what's contained in there, but their customers may not necessarily understand or may not as easily understand uh, the information that's being provided. So we see a complexity and we see um, a frustration level on the part of customers who can't find the, they think they can't find the answer they're looking for, although it may be there. Uh, and they ultimately uh, resort to opting out for a, an assisted case, which only adds to the, um, you know, the frustration on their part. And it adds to the requirements on the organization to, to maintain that um, self-service portal and at the same time maintain a robust uh, force to be able to handle those assisted cases. You know, one thing that's, um, that's super important is for the organization, uh, that is the support organization, to understand the strategy behind self-service. Like, why are we doing this? And, uh, and again, it has to go beyond it's to save money. That's a piece of it that's necessary but not sufficient. One thing is to enable customers to, customers like to solve their own problems. They, they like to collaborate with one another, um, but they're going to get quickly frustrated. And that's why a, a successful 
self self-service organization measures things like findability and how many clicks does it take to get to the right place and did this information enable you to solve your issue and um, so if you get all those things right I'll come back but if your self-service uh, system doesn't work I quickly get frustrated and, and I'm, I'm just gonna pick up the phone or, or log a, a web case and as Greg says you know we don't want them to do that we, we actually want them to use their channel of choice but we want to make the self-service channels or at least the uh, minimal service uh, channels successful for them as well the most expensive way to to deliver support is in person and the least expensive way is to provide content which can be replicated. So it's really important for the organization to understand why, why it's important to create good content, keep it current, make it findable, and then archive it when it's no longer useful. Yeah, th thanks guys. Um, a second trend I think we're seeing is around channels and uh, perhaps kind of a, a conflation or, or some sort of fuzziness between the terms omni-channel and multi-channel. So, so, so Mike, why don't we start off with kind of definitions of those two and then um, speak to kind of what we're seeing in terms of the trend here. Sure, I mean, sometimes they're used interchangeably, but that's not really correct. So to be clear, multi-channel is, uh, think of it as the, as the door that you come into the support organization. So you can come in through the phone door, the web door, the chat door, the email door, the community door, um, or the knowledge base door. That's multi-channel. Omni-channel is all of those doors, uh, they, they, inter they, they connect. Uh, and, and here's an example of that. If you're opening up a chat case through whatever technology uh, the, the uh, support organization offers, and you're, uh, you're, you're chatting along with the person on the other end, and it just becomes apparent that this really is deeper, more complex than we thought. This is gonna uh, lend itself to a, uh, a full-blown assisted case. Then all of that transcript, that whole conversation, any files you've exchanged, anything you've done, needs to be preserved so it can be picked up by the CRM system and by the person, if it's a different person, who actually winds up delivering uh, the service beyond that. So that's, that's omni-channel, uh, that the, the channels communicate with one another. Greg, are, are you seeing are you seeing the same thing in, um, in in the work with your clients? I am absolutely, uh, and again, it's I think it's um, part of this comes down to a over reliance on technology, and companies are trying to substitute the advanced technologies that they're either creating or acquiring, and substitute that for giving the um, proper experience to their customers. And I think that in itself, as we have kind of touched on here a little bit, is the fact that the customer should be making the choice as to how they're going to communicate, but they also should be, as part of that, there should be an education process to make their lives easier by understanding what resources are available to them. I think that this does that um, and again, companies have to realize and have to recognize that they need to be able to not only provide these resources, but also uh, provide the, um, the education to their customer to go along with it that allows them to utilize and fully utilize these resources. And one thing you know, to pick up on what Greg's saying is, and I think we've all experienced this as, as customers, as consumers, uh, sometimes it's just really difficult to get a hold of a person and uh, you go on the, on the support or the service site, whatever the company is, and you just can't find it. 
And um, so when companies say, hey, we're customer centric and customer first and this and that, that's pretty disingenuous when you don't put a phone number out there that enables me to call you when these other channels of my choice have, have failed. So we, we need to make sure that we're, you know, that our actions are consistent with whatever statements we're making around our strategy. So, so here we are in um, early 2022, uh, masks are coming off. Uh, companies are making plans to bring employees back into the office. And so we kind of see light at the end of the COVID tunnel here. Um, but Mike, are, uh, are, are companies kind of bouncing back fast enough from COVID um, in relation to where customer expectations are? You know, I think the jury's still out on that. If you think about what's happened in the past couple of years where I, I like to talk about support as being a team sport. I've, I've been in it myself for, as has Greg, for 30 some odd years. And, and uh, but the past two years, while it still remains a team sport, instead of us all being on the same field, we're on different fields. And um, so the personal interaction, the ability to quickly get a response from your buddy who sits right next to you, uh, that's, been, that's been replaced or there's an attempt anyway to replace that by technology. So Slack channels and, and, and uh, Zoom calls and, and the like. And that's all great technology, but I'm not really sure that the intangibles around the things that make a team successful are completely replaced. So I think that's in the eyes of the customer. And I, and I, I just think that customers, they're not going to settle for long-term explanations of, hey, we're over, you know, we're, we're understaffed, we're, our employees are a little burnt out, uh, you'll be on hold a little longer. Um, those explanations that are valid for the past year or two in COVID, they'll become excuses if they're not uh, mitigated. So I, I, I just think that there's an opportunity for uh, support organizations to compare themselves to where they were two and a half, three years ago. Are we as good as we were then? Uh, not are we as good as we were a year ago when candidly we were kind of struggling through making the best of this situation in light, in light of COVID. I agree, Mike. And I think the other aspect we have to look at here is organizations need to, I mean, they need to look to the future. Yes, things are changing, as you mentioned, uh, in terms of COVID and in terms of returning somewhat to a sense of, of normalcy. But I think the, the leading edge companies are going to look at this and say, we still need to be having that flexibility and we need to strengthen what we've done over the past couple of years. Many of them have simply, as was mentioned, just got by. But that's not really going to, you know, going to continue to resonate with customers. It isn't already. Um, and the fact that you need to put the resources in place to be that, that organization that is flexible and that can on demand switch from um, the brick and mortar back into a totally remote environment or as some a hybrid model that allows flexibility with the employees. We've seen where, you know, a lot, you know, there's been surveys and other things that have shown that a lot of employees don't want to go back to the office. And so you have to be, as an organization, prepared to deal with the possibility that you have a significant number of your trained staff that are going to say, no, I don't want to be back in an office environment, but I need to still have that interaction and I need to be able to 
have the tools and the resources available to me to have that interaction with my fellow workers so that I can feel like I'm part of the organization. And I think companies need to recognize that more needs to be done in that regard. And I think if you think about that, Greg, you know, the, the, it really speaks to, um, among other things, how do we recruit candidates? It used to be many years ago, everybody worked in the office, so there wasn't any um, thinking about, well, is this person a good candidate to work in a distributed environment or in a remote setting? Uh, but now uh, it's, it's very important, just as other topics that we've uh, talked about in other sessions around self-service and multi-channel where we, we need to look at, at writing skills because we've got to write good content. We didn't have to worry about that years before that concept existed. Uh, the same holds true now. When we interview people, we've got to make sure that they're a good fit for however our workforce is constructed, whether it's everybody's in the office, nobody's in the office, or some mixture of the two. And, and I think, uh, you know, as things have evolved here, I think one of the other things we have to recognize is that, you know, customer expectations have only grown higher than they've ever been. And there isn't the toleration for any missteps and there's not the toleration for missed SLAs. That's great, guys. Uh, so, so just to wrap up today's conversation, why don't we touch on one more trend and that is the rise of the customer success organization. We see this as a especially strong in the in the SaaS industry. So, so Mike, um, how should the technical support organization be thinking uh, about the customer success org in terms of how to work with them? And then, what are we actually seeing in the marketplace? Yeah, I mean the the customer support and, and any service organization. You know, if you think uh, in the past. It was uh, mostly a reactive organization. Something broke, we fixed it. Um, something was about to fail, we'd address it. But the customer success organizations, which are very closely linked, are all about driving adoption of product and getting full use of the features, and which all of which leads to uh, hopefully a more successful renewal. Um, some companies I've worked with, and, and in fact, one company I worked for, blended the customer success and support organizations together because there just wasn't any point in drawing lines between them anymore. They were very uh, closely uh, aligned. And so what it means for, say, the day in the life of the support person is it's not just a transactional, I'll wait for you to contact me and I'll fix it kind of mode, as much as, you know, while I have you, it's up to me to continue to foster that relationship, to help you, for example, learn about self-service, uh, to ensure that uh, you don't have any further questions about your product, to identify some needs that you may have uh, based on our conversation around training. So those are the kinds of things which I think are, are uh, we're seeing expand or will necessitate the expansion of the role of, of the support people. And, and a very good point there is it has to be obviously a two-way conversation. There has to be the input from support that allows the customer success organization to know um, what that client is thinking and be able to adapt uh, their offerings and their engagement with that client that really goes to you know, what the client circumstance is and what they're looking for and what they feel they might be missing or would like to see as, as is part of the offerings from that organization. And I think that's a key element there to provide that information back to customer success and at the same time have customer success always be communicating with support so that they know 
that everyone is on the same page. So Mark Miller, why don't we bring you into the conversation at this point to help us wrap up. So when you think about the things we talked about today, the trends we're seeing in terms of self-service, uh, omni-channel, COVID, customer success, customer success organizations, um, how, how do some of these things uh, map against what we see in, in kind of the, the top performing uh, organizations? Yeah, I, I think some of the, the main things to think about in terms of being successful, especially in this environment we're touched on and all those four topics, but it really comes down to being more externally focused as an executive management team rather than internally focused. And so that speaks to the fact that, you know, as Mike and Greg mentioned early on in the conversation, this addiction to self-service, it's great. It looks great to the bean counters. And my apologies to all the accounting folks and finance folks who are listening to this call, but it's very attractive, right? And it's very easy to lose sight of what the customer wants, which is what we see in top performers is this constant fixation on understanding what are the various tolerance levels of your customer constituents um, for self-service. It reminds me back uh, about 10 years ago, uh, we spent a lot of time uh, talking to executives and consumers and came to the conclusion that for the most part, there was this um, essentially obsessive containment disorder, if you want to call it that, that was overtaking the support industries to their own detriments. In, in other words, the all too easy exchange between short-term financial gain uh, and customer service was not felt till two and three years later when you had lots of customer defections, right? And so it's important that we learn lessons from that. And when you, uh, one message to executives is, you know, don't be tempted through this great resignation that's going on to over index on the self service because it's hard right now to manage people. The reality is, is that unless orgs are really, really um, committed to the fact that a hybrid environment is here to stay um, and coming up with solutions, and our biggest solution is focused like a laser beam on the frontline management, that is the area where you can get the biggest bang for your buck in terms of providing great service regardless of the environment over-indexing on that, that frontline management team is going to help and avoid this uh, uh, desire to move away from assisted channels and over-index on unassisted channels. Those companies who are conscientious of, of themselves even thinking that way are going to do well. Um, and that you know leads into this COVID situation that we had talked about. And I, I just so appreciate, you know, Mike and Greg, they're our senior consultants here at J.D. Power uh, for really staying so close uh, to some of these leading companies and appreciate their uh, their perspective during all of it. So Mark, Greg, and Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, thanks to our listeners as well for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.